Does well, anybody have any funny up? jokes, any any warm up games? Does everyone want to go around in the circle and tell an interesting fact about themselves? <laughs> Does this one have a hot blacksmith? There's <laughs> a lot of hot blacksmiths this week. What was the other hot blacksmith? Valeria. Oh, let me see. Oh. Who's me? I'm looking for me. You are I three. Oh, okay. There we go. You're Here, four. someone make me snort. Hmm. Snort. <laughs> you snort? <laughs> yeah, I'm four. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, they got in backwards. Roman is three and you're four. I can't do it as well. <laughs> Is it well? (laughs) Is is good and well the word? Acceptable podcast episode 143, um, the Pacific Northwest premier <laughs> comic book podcast. You know, like you say it till it's true. Uh, <laughs> um, every week we get a whole bunch of comic books. We come up to our pap cave in the sky now and record a podcast about all these wonderful things that we've picked up that week in a variety of combinations of people. Generally, the place is the same, but. Uh, I'm Jeff. It's super glad to have you three with me. I'm Brayden. I'm super glad to, to be here again. I'm Colette. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with being here. <laughs> it's acceptable. <laughs> I'm Roman. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad everyone is here. I didn't realize we changed the name to the Premier Acceptable Podcast. Yes, the Premier Acceptable <laughs> Podcast. It's a little confusing. People are having a hard time fitting it in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that it works. Um, we did a slightly abbreviated intro there, but we do have a whole bunch of comic books that we're going to talk about, that we're excited to talk about, and we're going to spoil them. So this is mm. your spoiler warning. Um, we've been putting timestamps in the descriptions of the episode so you can scrub through if there's any books you don't want to talk or hear us talk about. But Brayden, what are we talking about today, just so everyone knows, as uh, and then they can avoid those spoils, boys. Uh, we're talking about uh, Once in Future, number one, uh, The White Trees, number one. Fantastic Four, number 13. Ghosted in L.A., number 2. Event Leviathan, number 3. Silver Surfer Black, number 3. Xena, Warrior Princess, number 5. And Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 47. Is this Squirrel Girl cover a visual reference to a movie cover? I kind of feel like it is, but I don't know what the movie is. I can't. Yeah. I mean, it seems familiar, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But I can't name the movie. And I think I lied. There must be three more issues because it has to end on 50, right? You'd think so, but I was also ready to believe 48 was the end. Anyway, spoiler conversation. Let's (laughs) save that for the end. And let's get right into Once and Future, number one, by Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora, and Tamara Bonvillon. This is the first issue of a new Boom series that was like... Kind of a big deal from them as a publisher. They mm-hmm. had several months ago, like six months ago, uh, at Comics Pro, made a big presentation about how it was their intention to release a series that was going to be returnable to retailers and would only feature one cover. And uh, ideally, stores were going to be ordering a ton of it. And what the intention was to send a message to Marvel and DC that when you make a book returnable to retailers and it only has one single cover, that book will sell very, very high. 
the other uh, aspect of that was going to be um, as the total units sold of this book went up, retailers would get an additional discount based on what, where the sales were. And they said if everybody ordered uh, this book and their Batman numbers, it would be the highest selling book that week. And there was you know, a discount that everyone was going to get. And spoilers, other people did not order as much of it as we did. I'm surprised to hear that. Like books are like they're already going for like ten, fifteen dollars on eBay now, and it's like I think it's gone to four printings now. Yeah, really? it's, yeah, it's wild. Because we had third printings like on last week's FOC. Yeah. It's like no, we got like a lot coming in. Um, I wonder if people didn't order it just just because they're like eh, another King Arthur book. Who cares? Yeah, I almost I think that. It's more just sort of gen, general jadedness from retailers. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's returnable, but that still means that you have to pay the upfront cost mm -hmm. of ordering. We ordered yeah. 150, mm -hmm. which is more than we've ordered of any single book in quite a while. Um, but it m does mean that we're out that money until it's reimbursed. I think that most stores like don't feel like, oh yeah, let's just you know loan Boom some money, which is essentially kind of what you're doing. But I think it's a really cool thing that Boom does because it allows yeah. you to find the ceiling for your sales and then and then return mm -hmm. results. Brayden, uh, as the person who does all of our burn or Boom returnability, uh, the the, uh, the I, I don't burn them, I swear. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. He tears all of them apart and destroys them like you're supposed to, like an animal. Like an animal. <laughs> so then, as the Boom ambassador, what'd you think of this book? This book was very good. Like, it's just a really good comic. Like, it's Kieran Gillen, it's Dan Mora, and Tamara Bonville on. Like, they're it's a super good team. Like, I don't know. Like, it didn't blow me away. It didn't. Uh, like it's, it wasn't my favorite thing I read this week, um, but like it was just super solid. Like, and I feel I'm, the exact same. Like mm -hmm. that was a good comic book. Yeah, it's and I started off. I think I read like White Trees before, so like I was all high on that mm -hmm. uh, for a while. So this what didn't rating? hit as hard. But were you actually high? No. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can be though for the third time I read it. God, um, you sound like Jeff and Justin reading a Hickman book. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Let's see, this book, it opens up with uh, a guy who found a scabbard in a lake, and he gets shot, and so people take the scabbard. Um, news of this makes, it way, makes its way to a, uh, a retirement home where an old woman uh, hears about it and then uh, leaves the retirement home. <laughs> and escapes the retirement Escapes home. <laughs> and goes and finds her son, digs up her old armory buried somewhere that has a bunch of like crossbows and bazookas and Grenades. guns and stuff. I noticed uh, a lot of boxes that said silver bullets. Oh yeah, she had some <laughs> silver bullets in there. Uh, he got pulled out of his uh, his date that was going kind of awkward anyway. Pretty poorly, it And he like. was all like, what's going on, Grand? We gotta get you back to the home. And she's like, I'm a monster hunter. Uh, some uh, some evil, some bad people are trying to bring back uh, King Arthur from the dead because once in future and all that. Um, mm. And he's like, oh, King Arthur was pretty cool though, right? And she's like, no, I think he's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. So the, you know, where the end of this issue ends up is the big conceit is that um, yes, King Arthur would return to you know the world of the living um, in our darkest hour essentially. Mm -hmm. But the the, the impetus, impetus that they place on it is like maybe he's coming to defend us or maybe his return is what caused it. Yeah. Which is like it's a pretty simple idea, but like it's very uh, thought like imagination invoking you know yeah. like there's a lot of and like it makes like like i didn't know this was going to be about king arthur at Me all neither. honestly and looking back the cover again now it's like a lot more scary um 
I'm very interested to see where it goes now. I really like this book. And I so I follow Boom on Instagram, and they have been advertising this book like crazy. Like, I've been every time I'm scrolling through, I get an ad of like, King Arthur once, and I'm like, scroll past, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, boom. Uh, I mean, I love you. You do good stuff, but damn, I don't I need to watch an ad about, and I, <laughs> I don't think I even watched it full through because it just was like, oh, okay, King Arthur again, whatever. Yeah. This book was just, I felt like this book was a relief to read. It was, it had enough going on that it was really interesting. I, I wasn't ever... It wasn't ever dull or I didn't have to like reread a panel Mm -hmm. to like, wait, what's going on? It moved well. It was just entertaining. Like, I like Karen Gillan. I liked though that this had, I love Wicked and Divine. It's fun. It's like an over the top soap opera. I felt like this was reading the fun of that without the like need to be cool and adding the extra layers of hipness and whatnot this was just a good compelling story about a badass grandma and a cool monster with a belly full of live dogs because <laughs> yeah. why not <laughs> actually I, I totally agree with that wicked and divine statement because wicked and divine i really like the characters and i love the art but no matter where i was in that book and i, and I am not caught up on it by a long shot but i the thing that kind of caused me to lose some interest was a general unsure of like a, a sense of unsure in terms of where the story was going like what is mm-hmm. the direction of this and like what is our kind of the path didn't make sense to me and this one has a like, like a very clear it feels like this is just going to be like a five or six issue i think story that I, will make a lot of sense and it's kind of grounded mm-hmm. and you can maybe hand yeah. to somebody. Yeah. I think his scripting I, was a lot more straightforward than usual and I think that's really aided by Dan Moore who does really clean, solid work that you can almost always tell what's happening. In fact, you lost him on the Power Rangers books probably to do this, right? Yeah, yeah. I think he... Yeah, that's probably where he, where he went. What I... the Kind of the pitch I had after the, I read this, Roman, was it's like National Treasure, the movie. Mm-hmm. But like... Uh, like basically with medieval fantasy. Did you, did you see National Treasure with Nicolas Cage? Nope. Oh they're, they're boy, to, we gotta oh, watch that. Oh yeah. So good. They're yeah. trying to find the first dollar bill. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, know, I know the idea. It's, it's a mess. I, I just love yeah. the, sort of the, the secret I seen history it. of a thing. You haven't seen either? Have you seen it? I fell asleep. I own it. Okay, Are cool. you kidding? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I really like it. Jenga said a funny thing about this today. He was like, what if this grandma is an older Buffy? And I was like, "That's a crazy idea." And he's like, "Well, Boom Boom owns the rights to it. That'd be that'd be a heck of a crossover." To, I don't think do. that it is, but I thought like she kind of, you know, her characterization you could kind of classify as a, as an older Buffy woman. Django or <laughs> Roman, I'm so sorry, <laughs> the second man. Second time, I, in the last, I love like, you. Like Forty minutes. <laughs> it's so weird because you're both these sort of like mentor roles to me, but you're like the the cup is just filled with eroticism, and then Django's cup is is filled with. Completely like, devoid of eroticism. <laughs> devoid of eroticism, but it's filled with like uh, you know, he's got really cool shirts. Mm. I got I got to come up with some kind of chant. To... Oh boy, not a chance in hell. Actually, Django yeah, just started no. chanting wherever he is when he heard that. Mm. Oingo boingo schlug <laughs> oingo. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that, that all yes. sucks. <laughs> I, I I like this. I I enjoyed it a lot. It was fun. Um, I really I really dug. God, I'm, fingerprinting up the cover. Um, oh, yeah, you don't have your creepy murder comic Yeah, and it's got one of these damn black covers. Look at that. Um, I love the appearance, like, of the questing beast. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I, re- I read The Once and Future King mm-hmm. by T.H. White. Mm-hmm. 
which is where the title comes from. And he also did a book called um, uh, the, the Bestiary, I think, which I think is the questing beast is described in there because that's an Arthurian mythos monster. I was going to ask if, yeah. like, Breeden, if you didn't come across it in, like, D&D &D or if anyone knew about it. Like Questing beast is not one I'm familiar with, no. Yeah, nor I. And when his grand reference, I was like, oh, this is going to get cool. I really like the grand. I'm wondering if maybe she's she's possibly Guinevere or somebody. Oh, or a, a, oh, a descendant maybe. Ooh, oh, that would make me happy. That would, that would explain why she's like thinking, "Oh, Arthur's bad." And I I mm. want a Merlin. Like it wasn't until we were just sort of started talking about this, I'm like, "Oh, we're gonna have to see Merlin in some mm. regard in this." Oh, I yeah. would think, and he's yeah, one I mean, of my favorite aging backwards through time. Mm, I love yeah. the concepts mm. of him. I do uh, like and the I idea like Colette's of... idea that it's Morgan. I love Morgan yeah. in the face. That's She's an awesome character. That would be cool. I'm pretty into the idea that also just being an old woman who kills yeah. monsters and doesn't give a fuck. I got but, a case yeah. of silver bullets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the fact she's got all this knowledge, she but she's but she's still the modern stuff. She's like, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's a free app, why do I want my credit card? <laughs> and I thought that was great. Yeah, like I yeah, love... Yeah, that was awesome. Like they, they set her up to be a badass even before you know she's a monster hunter. Like yeah. uh, everyone's in, in this nursing home, they're all like, all right, the news is over, let's change the channel. And then she's less like... I'll break your fingers if you change the yeah. channel. I'm yeah, like, oh shit, one. okay. <laughs> yeah, she's like who I imagine I would like to be when I'm her age. I was just gonna say, I don't you, she reminds think me of Colette. I'll be, but <laughs> mm -hmm. this is this is how I like to envision myself. I love the coloring in it too. I think Tara Bonfilin does a really <sighs> good job. Like you can even tell, like panels, panel, like okay, she's outside. It's like twilight. He's inside. It's all orange glow, and then. The monster comes out. It's all green and turquoise and fantasy. Tamara is a superstar at this point. Like she's, she's so doing, good. She's doing. She's top tier. Like she's the A list top tier color at this yeah, point. Yeah, I've heard Jordi Belair. Fairly certain she was nominated for an Eisner at least. In the she last should. Round, she's but. coloring everything. So yeah. it's and she's yeah great at it. I love her palette. I'm gonna give it. A, I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay. I'm gonna go seven. I I think it's a really good comic. Um, but it, it, the, the one flaw I'll go into with the next book that we talk about. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll give it a nine. I think it's it's a, a great comic book. With dogs in the belly of a beast. Yeah, and <laughs> great lettering, too, on just, like, all the woofs and barking dogs. is creepy as heck. Mm, that, that mm -hmm. was creepy. You're going to go seven and a half. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty yeah. good average score. That's a that's like a seven point five to an eight on the average score scale. It's a nice solid book. All right, listen, Chip Zdarsky, Chris Anka, Matt Wilson, The White oh. Trees, A Black Sand Tale from Image Comics. Um, that's a creative team <laughs> that I think is I I can't think of like a better trifecta of creators on a book recently. Like that, those are three people who I love. They're, even like the Hickman X-Men books, I can't say that I love, you know, the art and the coloring as much as I, I love these this one. So, like, superstar team, what do we got? It feels like they're all, like, bringing their A-game just for this book. And it, it seems like a passion great. project. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and a passionate one, too. Oh, it's a, it's, yeah. there's passion in this. You can tell when people are working on something for the pure joy mm -hmm. of working on it. And this is a joy to them. They're having fun with it and just doing what they want to do. And, man... Does it pay off? Yeah, the the even the the, the production of it, like this is a two issue thing, they're, and it, they're oversized, they're like five bucks. Yeah, a little bit. and it's white trees, a black sand tail. So my impression is that we're going to be getting a lot more. 
or more of these probably passion project, very small things that just like when they have time to do it, we'll probably see more. But what was this? This is a story about three legendary warriors kind of uh, who have retired. The war is over, but there's uh, drums of war beaten again. Um, King calls them all in. It's a reunion of sorts. And he says that their uh, children have gone missing. They've been abducted by these, uh, I believe they're called, yeah, the Trilonians who are trying to start a war or something. Um, so they get back together to go find their kids and rescue them. Um, and that's the crux of it. Yeah. Um, cause I, and that's pretty much what Like They get together and they go try to find their kids. And like, it's a pretty straightforward narrative there, but like, there's so much deeper stuff going on that you see like every page is filled with all kinds of character story and intrigue and kind of mystery and yeah yeah their personal histories between them and they're they all fought together and one one of the main guys yet well one of the other guys thinks he's a coward because he stopped fighting at one point he's he, he won't pop his claws anymore yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and one of the dudes, the cutest dude, I think, is uh, who's the cutest dude? Uh, the elf Scottier. dude. Is he an elf? Well, I was going to say the elf dude. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I thought you were going to say. No, he's he's bearded. Yeah. He's pretty handsome too, in yeah. a, 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 a somber Seth Seth Rollins kind of way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I like the liony dude myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I just wish he wasn't so judgmental no, critically <laughs> towards our. You know, mm-hmm. goatee striped guy. Like, yeah, I like I, the red guy a lot. I, I want to fault him for that, but the, he talks about like how, like their friends died yeah. because he wouldn't yeah. fight. And it's like I, I can see where he's coming from, and it, it yeah. sucks. On yeah, a, yeah, none of this, none of this is one dimensional at all. Yeah. yeah, it's war does different things to different people, and the three different characters are really good examples of what experiencing that kind of harshness and horror can do to a person and how you come out of that and process it and what you tell yourself to be able to process what you've gone through and and how that forces people apart and some people together and I think that the yeah the superstar you know aspect of this book to me is the the characters themselves and the they're really rich characters and they have this rich history and the relationships between them all is fascinating um i think like so so super hot uh archer and tiger blacksmith are a couple but blacksmith is I forget who is the biological. He's the biological father of one of the children that's oh, gone missing. The daughter who's gone yeah. missing. Yeah, and then uh, the elf, elf-like character yeah. is stepfather to this character, and I really liked that dynamic. It's not just like, hey, these two are together from the get-go. Like, I love um, the love for the stepdaughter that Scotia. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, Scotiar. Scotiar. Buff Legolas. Yeah, like Buff Legolas, <laughs> exactly. I, I really liked that sort of triangular dynamic instead of being just a one-to-one thing. And then I really liked, I forget his name. Krylos? Krylos. They're, they're really silly fantasy names. So yeah. that's, that's the my one issue with it, and it's kind of my issue for Once in Future, is I... And this isn't a, a statement to the art itself. I don't like fantasy very much. I don't like so when I popped white trees, 
and got to the sort of the long name, begat name, begat name, begat, and all of the names themselves and the map and, and like the big beast cat character. Like I got four pages in and I was like, I can't do this right now. And I fell asleep. Yeah, like I, I definitely have to turn something on. I have to be like, all right, I'm engaging with this. I'm going to look at this map. I'm going to get into it. Like if I'm- I think I'm in the minority in that being a barrier for me. It's just like fantasy, sword and sorcery is not my genre, but so I think that Chip did a really kind of bold thing by making these first five pages so much that, and then after that, it becomes way more character-driven, mm-hmm. and it's just about these relationships. And I really liked our, yeah, scarred, sort of third sad member. I, I really like that silent, sad person character. That, yeah, Krellis is the one they dig into the most. I yeah. think we get uh, flashbacks kind of throughout to his history with his son, which is uh, quite fraught, I would say. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh! I I thought yeah. that was a daughter. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought it was a daughter too. But um, they, and also I just wanted to add it. And in the beginning there, I, I think a little bit Zarcy's kind of maybe making fun of that whole. I, and you pointed that out. And I totally with, agree. Yeah, because mm-hmm. because every time somebody's trying to name everybody's titles and stuff, they get interrupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 cut them off. Cause, yeah, because they're like, yeah, enough of that. Come on. It's even <laughs> the characters acknowledging like that's not really important. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we're we're introducing everyone here. I loved when they went to the the cottage that oh, their kids yeah. have been mm-hmm. shacking up in and mm-hmm. run into Milola. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the the mom of the the girl that's been kidnapped. She's just awesome. Yeah. I loved her. She's just sitting there waiting for who shows up to see if any any of the people that took her come back or whatnot. Yeah, they they and, they all investigate the scene and they're all like. You want to come with us? We're trying to find these kids, and we could really use your help. And she says, um, "She says no. Your way is like a bloody hammer. Even if you think it won't be, I will wait yeah. here in case the Trilunians return to spring their trap." And then it comes to the next panel, and you see the door kind of closing, and like the top half of her uh, body and her face is obscured in shadow, and those, you just see her glowing cat those eyes. eyes. And man. she says, "And they will tell me where my daughter is." Right. And it's like her crossed ankles in that mm. shot is the thing that like did it the mm. most for oh, me yeah. the way that she's just comfortably poised oh. to to just do what needs to be done for whoever Scotia oh. and Doblin That's... who's Catman they're both they're blacksmiths and so they're not oh I didn't realize Scotia was uh, a blacksmith also they look I think they're both I think they're both blacksmith together that's that's the impression I got um so they're they're not wearing a ton of clothes uh, I, <laughs> super often I've got two things first I, I can't speak to how much I loved the single horizontal panel of Hot Beard Man um, <laughs> shooting that arrow and the sound effect is sift and it's mm-hmm. written into like the trail mm-hmm. of it. And I think that is, there's an incredible, like the art in this is amazing. Chris Anka yeah. is, is an artist that I've loved for a long time. It, there's a, it's a really evocative panel and it sort of speaks to the solitude of the character, but it's a great incorporation of sound effect into oh, yeah. the visuals. Aditya Bidikar yeah. lettering. Yeah, and this has the same thing uh, the previous comic did where those little things like you were just mentioning, like when uh, Krylos pulls his arrow, he misses the deer and he pulls the arrow out of the out of the tree limb and there's just a, a little soft <laughs> exul- exultate exaltation um exhalation of breath as he's the effort of pulling the arrow out of wood and it's just real nice but yeah now that we're 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 there there's this is the this is the big sex scene of the book yeah there's and, a big sex scene in this book and it's fucking hot <laughs> it is man <laughs> it's uh it's chris Anka who's always been known for drawing pretty like he's 
beautiful characters, male and female. And oh yeah, yeah. He, I, I absolutely agree. What, what else has he done? He wrote a lot of stuff. Or he draw, he drew Runaways. He did some Uncanny X Men and stuff. He does Bendis a lot of covers. X Men oh, okay. stuff. He's, he, very, he's, he's very, out, he's very openly bisexual and draws yeah. a lot. Of, I, he's, he's known as the Warden of Thirst on Twitter, and it very much shows. And he, yeah, he's. I, I, rec- I recognize Marvel his house. art from Runaways now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah Mar- Runaways covers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Love his art. Continue with what you're saying, Braden. Oh, I was uh, fa- fantastic dicks. All fantastic around. dicks. <laughs> uncircumcised dicks. Yes. Thank you Big for some uncir- representation. I, it's it's so great to see a sex like sex scene in comics that isn't solely like male gazy. Like yeah, just like. Hey, look at the tits and the and the butt on the ladies and stuff. No, and the like, tits are super in the background. And like, like and they're good. The yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's all good, but like, yeah, it feels it's 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 just great. Um, yeah, we got a special email in advance of this of saying like, yes, this is a mature comic, but this is a fucking mature comic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's wonderful. I love it. I it's maybe my favorite comic I've read this year so far. Nice, like wow. because of the. The great sex stuff, the super interesting fantasy stuff, this, these characters that I'm just in love with from after like just one issue. Like I, I'm very excited to see where this ends up and hope that there's more somehow. Yeah, I. it's a bummer that it is two issues. It says to be concluded in the next. I do believe we're going to get other things from these folks kind of as their schedule allows it. Because, yeah, like we said, it seems like a passion project. I would give it uh, an eight. Uh, I had to get through that fantasy stuff at the beginning which is just kind of a barrier for me. But once I got into it, the characters spoke so loud. I would give it an 8.5, actually. The art in tandem with the writing is really incredible. And once I got through that initial barrier, it really was its thing. Yeah, and I think the balance of, of words and art, like there's a good handful of pages that I have totally agree. no words. Yeah. Um, Those first five, though, are text heavy. So, like, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was a, I think, a bold choice to have done, and I think mm-hmm. it paid off. Uh, yeah, I, I give it a 10. I, I loved it. I, I would recommend it to, to everyone. As long as you're over 18. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or you got really cool parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go, I think, an eight and a half. Maybe a nine. I really like this. There's We didn't talk, too, about the scene with the dragon. Oh, and, the dragon scene was good. Oh, yeah. And Krylos's reaction to dealing with the dragon. And I just... I, it was moving. It was just some dialogueless panels that were really moving, and and I love dicks, and I actually like fantasy, and I, it was it was really good. This was really fun. Rami, um, yeah, that scene with the dragon, and then mirrored later when he faces off, you know, when he, he doesn't even isn't even subdued. Subdued, cheese. Seduced for a second by the I fairies or whatever, and it's the same look on his face, and it's just resolve. Yeah, all these fairies that, are showing up trying to trying to bone him, yeah. and the one yeah. like kisses him, and it's like, oh gosh, you're you're not horns you at all. You don't give a fuck at all. Yeah. You're yeah. just sad. I'll give this a I'll give this a ten. Nice. I mean, I hadn't even heard of this. Yeah. It totally came out of left field, and it was great. Yeah, read it. Read it for I'm the dick. Di- I was disappointed else. when Jeff pointed, told me it's only two issues. <laughs> <laughs> But there will be probably more. But I'm glad they're. I'm glad I mean, they're, they're the big. whole fourth and fourth the realm. Oh. Those and the issues. <laughs> no, I. Yeah, and like I can't speak highly enough to I, how I think the depth of characterization that happened in a single issue. Super impressive. Roman, mm-hmm. last week, two weeks ago, last Fantastic Four, you gave a book a ten, and it was Fantastic Whoa. Four number thirteen <clears throat> by Dan Slott. Number twelve. 
Last how do you how right, do you right, follow that 13. up? This uh, is thirteen this week. Sean Izikase. Sure. Is, uh, yeah. This follows up on our Hulk versus Thing battle. Yeah, which last issue ended with I mean the Thing had that that countdown read had given him. That you said countdown. it was fifty three seconds. I thought it was. Turns yeah. out it's fifty three minutes. Yeah. Stress yeah. level decrease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's plenty of time. <laughs> Is this like how much time he can take getting punched by the? Well, Hulk? it's how much time it was a countdown read given him to um, countdown to the second when he would turn back because once a year he turns back into Ben Grimm. Hickman introduced that. In right, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So Ben and Alicia it. finally go on their honeymoon, and he's got this Aww. wrist device. It was, it was a very sweet issue that Reed made for him so that as soon as he turns to Ben Grimm, then they can, you know, really start the honeymoon. And and, and it's such a sweet thing. Reed also made him a special, like, vibranium engagement ring that mm. won't be shattered when he fights or anything that he can always wear. Dang. Yeah. And the last one, Alicia's father, the Tinkerer? The puppet master. Puppet master um, has is turns out he's possessing Hulk, and he's not pumped that Classic. the thing got married to his daughter, so he's possessing Hulk to go fight him. And this is a big battle issue. Yeah, that got real gross. And he's also mad about that because Alicia used some of his own clay to make her father give his blessing to the wedding because Ben's very old fashioned. He want to get her dad's blessing, and the t- and the puppet master is really mad about that because his daughter controlled him, as he's often done to her. Her husband. Well, yeah, if I can deal with it, dude. <laughs> so yeah, the shoe starts off with the countdown a minute and minute and a half. What was I, it? I think it had fifty-three minutes. The left cover the said one second. Yeah, well, fifty-one seconds on here on the splash page. Um, Is this like that damage I think issue? It has hours and minutes, but yeah, fifty-one minutes. Okay. So anyway, the the Hulk's wailing on the thing, and there's like bits of thing epidermis flying off his face. Um, it's it's nasty. And Alicia to, and Alicia's trapped under rubble. <laughs> you just need to look at how yeah. gross the shots of his. Yeah, this artist. Who's this artist? Uh, we failed the first time. I wouldn't. Sean is is Oski. I don't know if that's Finnish or Japanese. I have no idea. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen like the 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 craggy like stone of the thing be broken off to expose this like kind of gross meaty substance. Yeah, and a couple artists have done that before. Like I think John Byrne did that, but very few artists have played up the fact that yeah, his rocky hide is just his outer skin. So I I was grossed out by it at first. The way I interpreted as the issue went on is that that is the rocky exterior kind of dissolving and coming apart as he's turning into a human because he turns into a human like right as he does that final punch where all the rock comes off of him. I could totally be wrong. I just get really grossed out by the way that was interpreted. So I had to say, oh, it's his rock kind of weakening and sloughing off. Oh, see, that didn't occur to me, but maybe, yeah. Yeah. That could very well be. It's Um, it's gross. Yeah, and it's just just a great fight. And um, and Alicia, at one point, Alicia reassures Ben that, you know, no one has more more heart than my Ben. No one. And he's like, okay, let's go. I'm going to beat the Hulk. You know, somehow. <laughs> yeah, the matter he gets, the more hard he gets. Is that how it goes? <laughs> yeah, and it's down to almost zero, and the thing's got one punch left, and it's that this beautiful, grotesque oh, double-page spread where he punches the Hulk in the side of the face, and his wrist thing breaks, and his epidermis breaks off all down his arm, Ooh. cracks all the way to his shoulder, to his armpit, and he screams, and the Hulk just collapses. <laughs> Actually um, knocks him out. Yeah, he does this super-powered vibranium ring punch at the end, and then he turns back into human, and he yeah. faints. And then yeah. I'm looking at the last page, and he wakes up, and he's the thing again. 
That yeah. sucks. Guess yeah, yeah. And it sucks. So his whole honeymoon oh. when he was going to be Ben, he was pretty much unconscious in a coma, whatever, for like a week, I think they say, yeah. or something. Oh my god! So they gotta wait another year, but it just made me think about why Roman loves the thing. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I was like, that is such a bummer, and I was like, oh man, like, Roman's always talking about Peter Parker luck. Just let I this guy fuck, come on. Yeah, let this guy fuck. These guys needs to go to the, needs to go to the, the black sand. Needs yeah. to have his own black sand. Yeah, and it, yeah. It finally it kind of answered that question that was always unasked, and but everybody kind of wondered about the thing. It's like, well, so I guess he does he have can't, a dick? Yeah, I guess he does it when he's in his regular thing, rocky form. Well, they do say they wanted to have a family, start a family yeah. this week. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So now they got to wait a year. Unless Reed Cut figures out some other thing to do for Which him. Which I think is great writing on Dan Slot's part because it, it gives the possibility for like forward progression for a character, but it does that kind of the forward. Batman wedding thing, which is to say that like, yeah, these characters can't really change. So it's it's saying like, yeah, we're in a situation where we could have a kid, but he found a really great way to put that off for another year. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben. I'm so sorry. What's his wife's name? Alicia. 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 Poor Alicia. <laughs> but she got to get off too. I give it uh, personally an 8.5, but Roman, continue if you've got other thoughts on it. Um, uh, it's just one of my favorite relationships in comics because Ben's like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm unconscious for a week. What are we going to do? And Alicia reassures him that, you know, we got our whole lives ahead of us. And, you know, look on the bright side. He's like, what do you mean? You finally did it. You beat the Hulk fair and square. And he's like, yeah, I beat the Hulk. <laughs> like solidly, no doubt about it. No interference. And so he's happy again. And then we have an epilogue where the Hulk confronts the puppet master, and that's pretty pretty nasty. Oh, good. Pretty that's brutal. That yeah. <laughs> seemed like the attempt to sort of tie it into Immortal Hulk and stuff. Mm. But. Yeah. yeah. Does, it, does it do a grin? Does it get a, get a, get a big Immortal, Immortal Hulk grin? <laughs> uh, Roman, did you like this as much as the last one? Oh, he fucking Not does. quite as much. I mean, he does. Um, a big old grin. Um, not quite as much, but it was close. It was yeah. close. I mean, just, I mean, just for that final fight, that final scene. Of the battle, I was like, wow. Um, I think I give the last one a 10. I'll you give did. this one a 9.5. Nice. Maybe even a 9.7. Phil, is that okay? Mm. Yeah, no? Phil? Phil? Phil says no. Oh, okay. You just flipped Phil the bird. I've never seen something like that happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's clobbering time, Phil. Oh, no. Brayden, where are we headed next? Oh, I think we're going down to L.A. Oh, um. you and I love a road <laughs> trip to the Sunshine State. Oh, that is man. California, right? Colette? Sunshine State, California, mm -hmm. Florida? Thank no. you. Uh... Georgia? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I had to. I assumed it was the California. I think it might be Florida. Oh, shit. All right. Well, hey, Braden and I love to be in a car. What is California? The Golden State? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're oh, right. They have okay. those warriors. It's the, the state with oh, LA right. in it. <laughs> the LA state. <laughs> uh, this book, I don't know if uh, y'all have talked about it all before. It's about this girl who moves to LA to go to college there. We recorded eight minutes on it, but it was on a long podcast, and oh, yeah. uh, I had to cut the whole thing out. Oh, yeah. Um, but I liked the first issue. She she moves to L.A. to start college there. She's got a bad roommate. Her boyfriend breaks up with her, and she's just having like a a bad time, like like you do sometimes when you when you uh, start a new college life. In uh, this one, well, it's the the whole uh, the whole twist of uh, premise of the issue is that the series she finds this kind of mansion that's got a bunch of ghosts living in it, um, and she's like, "Hey, can I hang out here?" And they're like, "Sure, that's cool." Um, to some extent. Uh, <laughs> but so she's hanging out there more because uh, the real life people in her life are. Suck. Yeah, they <laughs> suck. And even in this one, when she finally she goes back to school and some asshole hits on her and she 
is like fuck you and but ends up going on a date with him anyway oh, which blows up in it. her face no. um she yeah she the moral of the story in my mind is say no to people you don't want to go on dates with yeah she gets into a shitty situation and it sucks um and like you you can really feel like how shitty and awkward it is and like you want her to be out of it and be okay and be happy and like her roommate's a shit uh her boy her ex-boyfriend's kind of a shit and this dude she's hanging out with is a shit but these ghosts are mostly nice and helpful but she's kind of taking advantage of them maybe a little bit and so it's kind of an awkward relationship there but yeah it's it's very good and sweet and i want her to be happy but that is hard to do um so this life yeah (laughs) so it, it was it was a good it was a good second issue i'm I'm very interested in keeping up with this series. Uh, I, it's 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 really nice when you can have a writer, uh, an artist, like craft a character that you really care about and make you want them to like get through something. And that was my feeling about the first issue was like I I, I really liked her. Yeah, like they they wrote a very compelling character. That, very relatable problems. Yeah, and she she was having these problems with her friend about being too attached to this relationship and and then the relationship broke up with her and she spent this kind of whole issue uh the first issue texting like drafting a text for this person um it was superhuman Mm -hmm. and i don't mean superhuman i mean it was very human (laughs) yeah it's a very grounded series so far and ghosts and yeah for sure but so i'm excited i decided to read this one (laughs) oh they're real i'm pretty sure i've met five of them (laughs) but i i love cena grace i yeah i i love him i think he's a sweetheart yeah cena grace is doing really good here i think he's probably i think he's really showing a lot of his uh talent in this book and you can really see it shine with uh the art um i would i would definitely recommend it if you're into that kind of stuff especially like if you're like into giant days or books like that but yeah i would give it a an eight it's a good good comic hell yeah colette take me to a spooky mysterious ambiguous mystery place mystery place mystery place mystery Mm. place in the mystery new location or not of the uh, Fortress of Solitude. Fortress of Solitude. In that in that mystery Solitude. triangle place, right? Mystery triangle. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are going to talk about Event Leviathan now by good old Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maliev. And uh, yeah, this issue, I, you know, I keep <laughs> feeling this book. Every time I pick up a new one comes out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this book. I'll read this. And then I read it, I'm like, oh, yeah, why did I forget about this? Like, it's this is it's go, it's not a bad read by you any means. I like Bendis. I like, like Bendis. I'll read a Bendis book. I, I mean, I've been having a little trouble because I'm not very attached to the DC universe, and he's trying to learn how to be attached to the DC universe. I mean, you can tell he cares about it and is trying, but he just doesn't have the knowledge that he did of Marvel. So, um, but uh, but yeah, this one, 
it, it was that if you're enjoying, if you enjoyed the first two, you're going to enjoy this one. <laughs> um, so there, everybody's reconvened at the Fortress of Solitude, which is apparently in the Bermuda Triangle now. I don't yeah. know when that happened. Yeah. Um, and they're all kind of um, hashing out the fallout of the fight scene with uh, Red Hood, with Jason Todd, that was alluded to or was led into at the end of the last issue. And um, turns out it didn't go that great. They <laughs> didn't get Jason. And uh, and everybody's kind of like, it's not a pointing fingers who's to blame, but okay, all these detectives together, let's all break down our part of the, where we were with him, what we thought went wrong in that bit. Oh, you talked to him after that? All right, tell us. So it's it's very fact gathering, which I like about this series, that it's kind of... It's not spelling anything out. It's just laying out pieces of a puzzle. And I think that's a nice way of putting together a um, a mystery story. Uh, Batman talks more than I would like, but I like what he's saying. I, I, I yeah. Can I, I want to piggyback please, off that thought. Please, please step which in is, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, so between this and then Batman Universe this week, I've been mm. thinking about Bendis writing Batman and what that voice is. And um, and I, I super don't dislike it. I know Justin isn't a huge fan of like a really chatty Batman, but he does really like that Batman Universe book. And I, and I was trying to sort of understand how I feel about this. And it, to me, it feels like pretty close to the Batman the Animated Series voice for that character. Yeah. It's, like, he understands humor. He's not joking unnecessarily, but he does engage in, like, back and forth. He's just got, like, a, a little bit extra snark. Like. Yeah. There's and a little bit more care in the voice, too. It there, There's a slightly little warmer edge at moments. Yeah. And that's Which that, I that, appreciate. The Bendis kind of warmth to a character. Yeah, and I like when he's talking to Damien, there's a little bit of warmth at moments that I feel like often isn't there. And I, I like seeing that side. As the kid who grew up with first being exposed to the animated series yeah, and wanting you. a Batman that you wanted to be your dad. Right. Like ever. The current iterations of Batman, you do not want him as your father. Yeah. You don't want well, really Tom King. <laughs> yeah. You don't want King's Batman as your dad. You don't want Snyder's Batman as your but but this is a Batman that like it brings out a little bit of warmth. And I like I don't always love the word choice, mm -hmm. but the the general feel is is way better than I was expecting it to be. And yeah, I, I I really like the characterizations for a lot of these characters. I am not very familiar with some of them. I haven't ever really read any Plastic Man. Sorry, Roman. <laughs> um, or uh, uh, or the question, but or Manhunter is that? Yeah, I don't know who she is. is but hey, Roman Kate who's Manhunter. Kate Shaw. Yeah, I agree. Oh, but okay. yeah, yeah. tell me an actual meaningful answer. Oh, uh, well, I never read her series. Um, Everybody, she's, everybody, she's, that's a Roman hole. Attack that. <laughs> yeah, Everyone, yeah. Roman's yeah. never read The Manhunter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was a lawyer that became a costume adventurer for some reason. No relation <laughs> to the Martian. No, but some kind of vague possible inspiration by the original Manhunter, which was Kirk somebody. Um, kind of her costumes visually 
color color wise are based on his. So Colette, I think that I feel similar to you in that this is a Bendis book coming out that's an event. I mean, it has event in the title, and it involves a lot of characters that I like, and yet I don't. It doesn't super stick with me, and I, I finish mm-hmm. it. I'm like, that was pretty good, and I'm excited to read it every time, but. Um, I, I do expect a little bit more from it than I'm getting. That being said, there's three things I really liked. And I want to share it with you. Page me. one. I really liked the whole first page of getting our bearings, understanding where we are mm-hmm. through a, a monologue that I was like, oh, I love that it's just looking at the question, being a detective in the Fortress of Solitude, looking at things and places, and you can just see clearly gathering data. And then when you realize where they are, like, I, I really liked that. Well, I and that I was... love that there's no actual crediting to any of the word bubbles of right. who's topping. Right. So you kind of have an idea by what they're saying, who it might be, but it doesn't really matter. Right. And then I really liked um, the double-page sequence in which the green arrow kind of sneaks up and shoots an arrow at uh, Jason Todd, Red Hood, mm-hmm. because I was reading it in a kind of dimly lit room, and the top... 25% top left 25% of that double page sequence is an alley shot and then a shot with like a vaguely green spot and I actually had to stare at those because of the lighting of the room I was in to understand like oh there's a green thing there like because I you know, I thought like why are these the panels that we chose and mm-hmm. it, it showed that someone was in hiding and there's a really great uh, sort of perspective almost like Kirby-esque shot of a thing kind of coming out of the panel I really like the art there and then the other thing that I really liked is that this issue um, dignified Jason Todd in a way that I don't feel like he's been dignified unless you're reading his books. But to say like they were, they gave him a lot of credit as being someone who's very good at combat. Mm-hmm. And I liked having that group of people all sort of say like, yeah, he's no, I mean like we didn't beat him, and they kind of legitimized having not beaten him. They talked about him as an equal, right, in the world, not a sidekick. Not a character that's running around, that they're above. That. that he was another person in this universe that they were up against, that they were talking about. I love that. I love the art. I love Maliv, and yeah. I like that it's not exactly what you expect from him. Right. Like, it feels like him, but there's a little touches that are different. And this and then I just really love just Lois. touch rushed. This, yeah. Like, the first one specifically was gorgeous. This one was a little bit quicker, a little bit more mm-hmm. simplified, but I also yeah. love Malief. I read yeah. two and three both yesterday, mm-hmm. and I didn't get that same kind of awe I got with that first issue. Mm-hmm. Except for the Superman on the last page of this, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. But but the a lot of the moments going on in here, you don't want an awe page moment because it's it's. But I feel like this was supposed to be more subtle and yeah. more about piecing kind of things together and and pulling little bits from the shadows and yeah. things like that one panel with the bit of of Green Arrow's hood. Um, I think there's a lot more subtlety and interesting stuff going on in this book than you realize. And I think this might actually be something I'll go back and reread when it's all done. And if this was a part of a bigger series, I don't think we'd be blinking at all about the subtlety or the kind of calmness of it. It's just the fact that it says event Event really big on the title that you expect it to be more I love the mystery of figuring out who Leviathan is. I'm very Mm -hmm. invested with that. I would say the thing as a whole is underwhelming. I really want to hear what Roman has to say about this, though, because you were not a fan of number two. 
No. Wait, isn't this number two? This is number three. This is number three. Okay. Um, I was less a fan of number three. Um, I'm really curious about who Leviathan is, too, because I keep on trying to guess. Um, And I agree that I thought the art in this one wasn't as good as the previous issue. There's a couple. I can't remember now, but there's a couple sequences from panel to panel. I was like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting that I had the same problem as last time. Bendis is writing Batman Universe. I love his Batman in there. I don't like his Batman in here. Yeah. And and I'm just amazed it's the same writer. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what is he doing with these two different Batmans. Um, in this one, yeah, some of the word choices Batman has, I'm, I don't like. He's too colloquial. Mm-hmm. Um, though I did like Damien's dialogue and Damien's interactions. I agree. Um, I, I still don't. And at least they acknowledge they acknowledge somebody makes like says something about well you're no elongated man the plastic man I thought which was like good at least they mentioned that because elongated man is the detective, detective <laughs> version of plastic man so I don't know why plastic man is here other than maybe Bendis just loves plastic man but he wasn't shown doing anything using his powers in this issue no. so I was like well so why is he here <laughs> I think that there's gonna be a reason why he's here I yeah. I I put an unreasonable amount of faith in Bendis like we're yeah. you know like. 20 issues or whatever into this Rogelzar story and I still have to be sure that there's some <laughs> larger reason why that poorly designed, poorly written character is here. Yeah, and you're right, the same here because we know that from Grant Morrison's JLA that Batman really respects Plastic Man. Right, we know that. Oh, so, of course. Everybody? So, I everybody? totally knew that. Got that. <laughs> um, so, so I suspect Bendis has a reason more than just he thinks Plastic Man's cool. Right. So, yeah. so what do you give this issue? I would give it a six. Yeah. I think I would go 6.5. I, I do like the art, and I do, I do like it a lot, but for a book that has event in the title that's kind of billed as an event by a writer that I love, it's it's a, a little underwhelming to me in spite mm. of liking it. I do wish it was just called Leviathan mm. or Leviathan Strikes or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would... Go with a six point five. It's a uh, it's a slow burn mystery that Bendis is kind of known for, but I like that it doesn't it doesn't feel as deliberately slow as something like Naomi was, sure. which kind of bothered me. Yeah, he's he's the king of decompressed storytelling. Like that's an issue. I could turn that into a paperback. Like, all right, I get that you can, but should you? With great well, power comes great responsibility, yes. Bendis. And when he fills it with the kind of dialogue that he can, when he really is doing it. It's, it's great. amazing yeah. and worth three trades, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, yeah, I'd go six and a half. Yeah, I, there's certain stuff too that, like the whole bit with Amanda Waller at the end and stuff. Like, part of it's probably just that I don't care. Yeah, but <laughs> um, he is bringing in organizations that I, as a casual reader in that era, don't know anything about. So mm-hmm. you know, like Roman's the only guy I expect to know about the DEO and all these different. Yeah, things. Yeah, what's so. what's going on with Shield and all this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's move on to Silver Surfer Black number three. Donnie Cates, Trad Moore, and Dave uh-huh. Stewart on colors. What's uh, what's Norrin up to? Norrin, he's being rad. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. better be. That was for you, Roman. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> That's a Galactus worthy joke. <laughs> uh, did everyone read this one? I I, I missed it. it. Okay. Uh-huh. okay, it's my last. Colette. It's my uh-huh. last one to read for this week. Do you want to kick this one off? Man, this was my favorite of this series Mine so too. far. Mine too. I'm going to preface this that I am not a big Donny Cates fan. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike him. Oh, speaking of which, Colette. Oh. Um, 
Sorry to interrupt, but what um, to the listener? To the uh, listener, just step beyond the foggy, murky shadows of the Kate's Gate into the old, uh, the old mortuary that Colette and I reside within in the mind's eye. Come, join us inside the Kate's Gate. Everyone, listener left, listener right, come with us. Sorry, continue. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so I am totally reading this book because of Tradmore because. Fuck Holy yes, Tradmore. Holy shit, this is. Oh, God. I, I love his stuff. And this book, this book in general, and then this issue is just fucking stunning. It is stunning. Every single page, every panel is just. You just want to stare at every single line and every little squiggle and weird little amorphous blob and oh god it's just so so good um and then there's a story in there too <laughs> right hard, <laughs> hard to even acknowledge that because this art was so engaging i feel like i was telling this suggestion like just flipping through this briefly like mm -hmm. it feels like don cates is just like all right Trev, just draw whatever you want i'll fill in some words yeah like, the marvel style basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um we're back to Stan and, and Jack yeah. in the day. Uh, yeah, so it starts out with a little flashback and uh, to, uh, oh my God, I'm spacing. Zen Law? No. The origin of. Yeah, the origin of Silver Surfer, whose name is. Norrin Rad. Thank yeah. you. Um, with his love right before Galacticus, right? Galactus, yeah, yeah. yeah. Galactus came and. Um, and he had to turn into the Silver Surfer and all that. It's, but he's dreaming about it, and it's him in place of Galactus. And well, so, or am I? Well, what's really interesting, and I wouldn't know this unless I was like a pretty huge Galactus head, because I am. He's one of my favorite characters of all time. He's got a but huge head too. In John Byrne's run in Fantastic Four, he did a storyline where Galactus is this world-ending force, and he's so big and so unquantifiable that every race views him differently. Mm -hmm. So when he shows up to destroy a planet, he's viewed uniquely to that race. Mm. So like the big purple guy with a human form is just because we humans kind of, it's in like in the way that humans have to base God on a human form. So we draw that. Galactus is similar to that. Oh, I, think, I like that. I think that that was why he drew Galactus as a big evil Silver Surfer there. Okay. Mm. Oh, man, that's even wow. better. I only, I, yeah. There's no note of that, but that's my my theory. Or a big boring cloud in that bad movie. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it it turns out to be this dream while Norrin is uh, he's been sleeping outside. Uh, Ego's been protecting him while he rests because mm. he's injured, and then. Um, he wake ego wakes him up and and he's like, man, I'm gonna need your help getting better and going after Null and all this. And ego's like, okay, and like, oh, whoops, by the way, I'm hurt. Something crashed into me. It's down in my core. It might be killing me, but you know, <laughs> whatever. And and Silver Surfer's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of that for you. And and because you've got to be better if you're gonna make me better. And and then he travels into Ego's core, and we get to have this incredible 
all these incredible paintings. Oh my god, this book is so pretty. I just like I want to stop talking and just stare there at it again. Two but double this... page spreads in there that are like two of my single images of the year. Like this issue has two of I think the most incredible double page spreads that I've seen this year. So beautiful. This this double page of him going through the layers of ego's core to get to the center and the like awesome pullouts of you've, it's it looks like a science book if you had the most psychedelic awesome trippy science book ever as a kid there's these blown up images like it's it's a giant yeah just like you said a science textbook of an earth with all the layers of the the crust and he's burrowing through them and you just see small circles as he goes through each layer but then there's these boxes that extend outward that show the moment where he breaks through each of these layers of crust it's incredibly innovative it, it, yeah, it's beautiful. This last little tiny wow, bit on the page of him, uh, like I emerged through a waterfall of fire. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Clint, uh, you and I need to probably take a, a Thursday off one of these days and go find a waterfall of lava to burst through. I think mm. that That's is the plan. Gotta be a yep, thing. yep. We'll just leave the shop. People can come and get their books. It's fine. We'll just. We'll be off bursting through our waterfall Colette, lava. Because I need to talk to somebody who's read this about this. Yeah. This double page spread right here. Um, great audio content, everybody. Near the end of the book, <laughs> there is a double page spread that is divided into five enormous horizontal panels. But the top portion of it is one of the most movement filled panels I've ever seen. And it's got that thing where they draw the character several times within a box to sort of show the progression of movement. But he swings around this sword that's been created by the board. And then as he's carrying that momentum, the sword turns into a board and he gets on it and he surfs through it. And like, you just feel the centrifugal force. You feel the motion. You feel like the pull of the turn and then the, the just the strong beam of forward momentum. It's incredible. Well, in the way that the... The, the board morphs from the sword back into the board. It's like, it's completely visually pleasing. Yeah. It's total aesthetic, but it also totally makes sense. Yeah. And you feel that sword morphing and and swooshing and, and just, oh. And as soon as you, actually, you said it's, it, it feels like it makes sense, that made me realize that, like, it totally adheres to the quote-unquote rules of comic booking, but pushes it. Like, the mm -hmm. the left-to-right, top-to-bottom uh, nature of that. Like, there's this amazing sort of spinning... Like, it, it adheres to these rules, but it also breaks them. I feel like reading this book is what it must have been like if you were a kid in the 60s getting to look at Kirby so, for the first time really doing his thing. And I had the same feeling, which was that, but it was for me, it was like, I feel like when Starlin showed up, mm -hmm. this is what that was like because it's it's psychedelic. It's psychedelic by today's standards. It feels like 2019 picturing 2030, and I feel like that's yeah. kind of what like Starlin felt like in you know the 70s or 80s when he was making things where it just felt out of this time and this mm -hmm. book felt like that. I'm so glad that was your feeling yeah. as well. But you're never confused as to where you're supposed to be looking or where you're supposed to be reading. It's not right. super trippy conceptual art where 
And I don't mind that. I like the like, all right, I'm an adventure to try and figure out how I'm reading this. This, you know where you're supposed to be going. You know what you're supposed to be reading. You're able to just sit back and enjoy the journey and just soak it in. My feeling when I walked away mm-hmm. from it is this feels, it, it sounded a lot like Stanley's writing. Like everything is mm-hmm. big and grandiose, mm-hmm. but um, but it also is so secondary to the art the whole yeah. time. Like the whole null storyline and everything, it, it's interesting, but I, I would honestly rather just be reading a series that's just one-off story, kind of like that um, uh, that Nick Fury series that came out. The Ego a little, one. Yeah, yeah, the Ego yeah. one, where it was just yeah. one-off little missions with each time art. with an an excuse to experiment with storytelling and amazing art and take this character on this journey. I would love for this to be an ongoing series and just start playing more with, all right, we're at Ego. Let's go deal with, let's go hang out with some of the fl- flying space sharks for a <laughs> while and see that. If and- Jason Aaron were doing it, we would certainly be there. <laughs> so fucking good. 9.5 for Jeff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm the only one that read it also. Um, <laughs> yeah, nine and a half. Good book. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. Ten. Yeah. There we go. Get that seafood off the counter. For a writer that I don't really care about and a character I've never read before, fucking ten. That's a gooey duck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brayden, can you tell me a little about uh, Xena Warrior Princess number five by Vita Ayalia, Vasco Georgievev, Rebecca Nalti, and Ariana Mar? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Just just quickly, I just want to shout out the the Xena series. Uh, Vita Ayala, I think, is uh, they've been writing a lot. Uh, I know and, you're a big fan. Like, yeah. you're reading Livewire, you're reading a couple other things that they're writing. They're writing a new uh, Marvel series, uh, or a new X-Men series, I'm, I'm, I think, coming in the new wave of stuff. Yeah, uh, they are. And are they also doing Ironheart right now? No, they did okay. an issue or two okay. of Ironheart, but yeah. Uh, they they rule, and I love their stuff, and the Cena comic has been really good. The first two issues were a little slow. They set up more or less a reason for Discord to be running around with Xena uh, and Gabby. Is Discord a person? Discord's a god, okay. um, a Loki-style god, okay. um, and those issues were good, but I think it really took off with uh, issue three, and three, four, and five, five being the newest one, they, every issue since then has been kind of sent them, like, flung to a different part of the world, or traveling, um, issue three, they ended up in, uh, like, Mexico, like, ancient Mexico, like, dealing with, like, Aztec mythology and stuff, and issue four, they went to like the like Siberia, like Russia kind of uh, wastelands where they deal with like uh, a witch there that they meet, and they kind of deal with people like changing their ideas. Like, oh, she like the witch they meet is all like, oh yeah, I used to help people and stuff and heal them, and they would come to me for advice. Uh, but then one of them got mad at us, and my sister died and burned, so their perception of us is changing. So like my, my godhood and mythology is kind uh-huh. of warping. Yeah. Um, and now they're dealing with like Dracula and this, and so it's getting that kind of core Xena dealing with mythology, but dealing with it in totally other parts of the world. And I think that's really a fun direction to, to, to take Xena. But yeah, you know, if you like Xena being a warrior, it's awesome. If you like weird mythology and Discord and all the god stuff, that's awesome. That's there. Also, it's Xena uh, and Gabby are totally 100% gay, and it's great. Yeah, eight, eight out of ten. That's cool. You rule. Nice. You rule. I'm going to be picking Zena that up. Yeah. yeah, I want to read those five yeah. issues now. You made me want to read that. 
Um, I want to talk really quickly about Conan the Barbarian Exodus, written, drawn, everything. Get out of here, Conan. By uh, Isad Ribic. <laughs> this is a silent issue that illustrates sort of Conan leaving Samaria and beginning his journey as Conan. I don't have a lot to say other than the fact that this is Isad Ribic getting to just draw whatever he wants according to the story that he's making, and it's kind of a Conan origin, not origin story. I love silent comics. It makes me spend four times as long on a page as I normally would because it's just, here, let me make pictures for you to make a story up, and it's amazing. But the, the Isad Ribic's uh, color, um, his light sources, the way he um, can kind of show, like the coloring that he does is just amazing. These valleys with like the the fire and these orange and the shadows absolutely gorgeous i'm a big Assad ribic fan um he's so unique everything that he does is amazing except like his eyes unless maybe he's meaning to do that but he's just always kind of does these almost like disney-esque like cartoon looney tunes popping out large eye mm -hmm. things but it, it and it's just a unique interesting aspect to his style but anyway uh i'm not super into the conan books but i i really like uh, Isad Ribic's art. So I think this is a great one if you're just interested in Isad. Roman, you also wrote it. What did you think? Um, yeah, much the same. It's it's. I was kind of excited to read this because they never told the story before of Conan first leaving um, Samaria, when it, his homeland, when he was like 17 or whatever. Um, and it's beautiful. There's a panel early on, and any panel is beautiful, but there's a panel early on that just shows Conan running from these wolves and he hits this rock wall in the woods and the snow and just the lighting. I mean, you know what that feels like. It's, it's just beautifully done. But you're right about his... And there's details like the first page when he makes a snow cave to sleep in and oh. the way he sets this antler or branch or whatever in front to, to keep the snow from collapsing in. And to make it easy to escape. Yeah, nice little details. But yeah, you're right about the face. There's a He meets a bear in the water and just there's a close-up of his face and he looks like overjoyed and he looks to like have to fight this bear to me it's he's just like a classically trained artist that's good at everything except kind of maybe faces yeah um yeah. this is a, a really awesome segue to age of conan valyria and we'll do yes. a sort of conan yeah. rating section after this unless Braden, do you have a thought can i do a, qu a quick Please. bridge i yeah, forgot well. i read uh, the new red sonia issue this yes, week that Mark absolutely Russell. first appearance in conan it's uh it's great uh Mark Russell, good stuff. Good, there's good. <laughs> there's a particular bit uh, in the art where uh, Red Sonia throws her sword at someone, and it misses, and it hits, it thunks into the wall next to him, and he's he you get a panel of him looking relieved, and then she shoves him forward so that it decapitates him, <laughs> and as his head is falling off, he says, "You miss." <laughs> So much like uh, a conversation being thrown from one's hand to the post, let us transition uh, from Conan to Age of Conan Valyria. Well, what Braden just described was more entertaining than reading. I'm sorry, well, this one had good butts. Yeah, this one had good butts. I I grabbed this because I was like, oh, I'm doing the podcast. It's a number one. I've never read a Conan mm -hmm. book. I should grab it. Um, it. it I was actually expecting worse than this was. It's it's nothing great. There's some back matter that I didn't read. I'll admit. I I just <laughs> it's too many words. We all for can't be Roman. A Conan book. Um, <laughs> the pretty uh, many novels in these Age of Conan ones, I think, which is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. But actually, I, even I stopped reading those because I was like, I don't have I don't have time <laughs> to read these mini Roman novels. Roman doesn't have time to read back matter. Yeah. <laughs> if they yeah. would just uh, punctuate each paragraph with a from. 
certain reader. So I thought Valeria was, I mean, it's, you know, oh, orphan girl, had a rough childhood, grew up with her brother. He was killed. She's out to avenge him by becoming the best swordsmith <laughs> in the world. That's the extent of, like, that's sure. whatever. Um, but it was actually kind of fun. And there's a super hot, barely clothed mm. uh, um, blacksmith <laughs> guy. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody get in on this This week's butt. blacksmith cross-section is <laughs> oh, great. I mean, like, you said it's, I, I didn't realize both of them in, in White Trees were. So that's, that's three... Three hot, barely clothed blacksmiths yeah, in one week. Yeah. All you blacksmith collectors out there, this is, this is a good week for you. I'm thinking yeah, maybe, this week for blacksmith. Yeah, we got some good holographic blacksmiths. I'm thinking maybe we need to go to those blacksmith classes out at Hovander Park. Do they make those? Yeah, that's where they teach Do I have to wear shirts? I better not. I don't, I don't know. Do they have just, a spectator section? Yeah, they have a just the four of us reading comics yeah. watching them. <laughs> the art in this was, at first glance, it seemed very just like, oh, it's, you know, thrown together sketchy art with kind of some pastel colors. The art was actually pretty good. The, the character, the colors weren't always my favorite for the faces, but... It serves its purpose. It was better than I thought. And I've been talking about it longer than I would have thought that I would have. <laughs> so what'd you give it? And then we'll do our Conan scores. I mean, it's a five. Nice. <laughs> but it's a solid five when you want a five. Perfectly read. acceptable. That one too. Yeah. Man, I have a hard time rating this Conan one because, like, the art is like a nine to me. Mm, yeah. The story itself is, you know, like a six. Um, if you're somebody who it's worth it to get a book for the art alone, then this is a book for you. If you are looking for your value, most story, most art for your buck, this is not for you. Um, I feel like I would give this one an eight or 7.5. The art's amazing, but it is to me just an art spectacle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I would probably give it a, I'd probably give it a 7.5, an 8. Yeah, once Conan encountered, and of course it had to happen, um, encountered the first signs of civilization and that bad guy in the horn helmet or whatever, I started to lose interest. I wanted to see him I more surviving in the wilderness. Yep. That was more interesting to me and, and more visually interesting. But I'll read the next one just because I like, I like a good Conan adventure story. Take us home, Roman and Braden Collette. <laughs> You and yeah. I have these extra passenger tickets to the back of the Roman and Braden oh. train. So let's just sit here. Let's just hop in this caboose. And... I'm going to sit behind Braden, kind of tickle him, <laughs> rub his shoulders while he's doing this thing. You can sit behind Roman, kind of blow air on that little bald spot he's got. It's cute. Yeah. You can see the thin hair he's flap gonna... around. <laughs> just try and blow and tickle, but not touch him. <laughs> <laughs> but not touch him. <laughs> uh, Squirrel Girl number 47 by uh, Ryan North, uh, Derek Charm, and Rico Renzi. Um this is the start of the final arc oh. of Squirrel Girl. It's ending. I hate that. Um, and it's ending naturally. Um, yeah. The writer, Ryan North, has said as much that this is kind of naturally where he wanted to take it and end it. Um, so who knows? Maybe someone else will pick up the Squirrel Girl torch. I I doubt anyone will nail the voice as well as Ryan North has. Like, it's been consistently amazing and funny and clever we're gonna need you on for the farewell episode of squirrel girl oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and this is very much a final arc like storyline it's brings back melissa morbeck who is this villain that uh they introduced a while ago who is 
very interesting. Uh, a villain who kind of tries to take the, you know, great res- with great power comes great responsibility and, like, uh, using that great responsibility to, like, you know, actually make changes in the world, but to a kind of super villainous extent um, without people's consent and stuff. Uh, but it's a, it's a very interesting character. She can also talk to animals. Why not? <laughs> um <laughs> But after a lot of uh, computer science super sleuthing, which is always cool to see, <laughs> even if I don't always understand it, yeah. they, they find out that she's kidnapped uh, Brain Drain, um, who is their mm-hmm. uh, friend and existential brain in a jar. Of the six uh, <laughs> issues I've read, or, well, probably ten. He's my favorite character. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and it turns out at the end of this issue, she's gathered all of her villains from the ones she's just kind of slightly wrong to like the big ones like dr doom that she's defeated and yeah they're all after her and the lame ones are attacking her but um she's also got this kind of almost illuminati yeah more is is convincing the the really big villains yeah master (laughs) and they're all green yeah finn bang boom (laughs) yeah um but the the real crux of it is that she she outs squirrel because she knows who she is and she publicly announces to the world her identity and then yeah. blows up her apartment. Woof. And it's, it's, yeah, it which, sucks. Like, which also endangers her roommate, um, um, Nancy. Nancy. Yeah. And, like, you know, superheroes get out of it fairly regularly. And, you know, it's always shitty. But, like, this one, like, you, like, Squirrel Girl struggles with it. Like, you see her really falter. She's like, yeah, shit. Like, I, she was like, I wasn't done being Doreen Green yet. Like, yeah, I her saying wanna... that line, like, I wasn't done being Doreen, uh, Doreen, it reminded me of the final episode of David Tennant's Doctor Who, where he's like, I'm not ready to go. Mm. And it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, it, it sucks. And thankfully, she's got Nancy there, who's just like yeah. the best friend in the world. And it's like, when she starts feeling bad about herself or like blaming yourself like getting friends, she's just like always there to tell her like, no, this is not your yeah. fault. And yeah. Mm. And there's a couple moments in this book where, you know, one of the characters of this team like reminds another one, look, it's okay to feel that way, feel that way. But that's not the summation of everything right now. And um, we've got to deal with like this. Yeah. yeah. It's, and, it's in really fact, good. At like, one point they, somebody points out that Doreen's Squirrel Girl's greatest power is the power of friendship. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so cheesy, but the way the series has been written, it's just so touching and so true. Yeah. It's, it's, it starts off, it's dredging up all her old villains. And by the direction it's been going, I know it's going to dredge up all her friends now that she's mm-hmm. made over the years. And I'm very yeah. excited to see that kind of culminate and take place in her winning in the end because she is unbeatable and yeah. it rocks. We're gonna see the cool the really great version of Craven. Yes. The <laughs> real Craven. Yeah, so the typical just like whatever the hunt story was in Spider Man recently. <laughs> yeah. I'm super sad to see the series end, but excited to see it go out uh, uh as as great as I know it's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great final arc and that's a great device having her outed that way and how she gonna continue. And there's every little nods to everything throughout the series in this issue, um, the friendship and the the their computer science. They're both computer science mm-hmm. um, majors. So the the thing I texted you guys about right. about the computer science thing that Django would love in here, that the way they decode the way Brain Drain like contacts her and and sends her a message mm. and coded message. It's just it's it's just amazing and far out. <laughs> yeah. Fifty issues. You know what that is. 
That's a perfect goddamn omnibus. Mm, yeah. That's a Braden Smith book on the wow. wall well, right there. To be fair, there was the previous volume one of Squirrel Girl, mm. which was like seven or eight issues yeah, before they like renumbered it. So there's yeah. been a 50, there's going to be another they 50. It's going to be like 58 issues they altogether. They better not try and do two smaller ones. I want one yeah. giant give Squirrel me, Girl. Give me an absolute omnibus. Squirrel Girl. Yeah. 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 I have uh, a tremendous amount of respect for this series, and I, I'm really sad to see it go, and I'm really excited to have the next several issues of this thing talked about as it's winding down. Braden, please come on for the final issue. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, 9 out of 10. I, I love this series, and this is a great example of its strengths, I think. Yeah, I think I'll give it a 10. And if anybody can like contact us, let us know if you figure out what movie poster this is probably the is cover of this is probably an homage to maybe like, maybe it is lost boys i'm sure it's erica henderson still doing the covers i believe thank goodness um but yeah you're right sure Jeff. She, there's something yeah that's very familiar something like that um i am so grateful that colette and Braden joined us this week thank yeah. you so much yeah. uh roman you're always here so that's great but it was <laughs> yeah, really well. really nice to have both of you here i would love to have that more um i think we can write it into the schedules that I've got you October 3rd for our live show. Oh, yeah. Oh. Are you sure you want me there? Anybody <laughs> listening sure you not can count on that. I edit need, out my burps I and not my only, farts <laughs> and my... Uh, you never bart, furp, dip, gersh as much as Jenga, so it's very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. This was 143. We would still so. love anybody listening to write us a review on... Um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever. Django got really fucking aggressive last week about that. I think he called everybody shitbags. It was actually pretty crazy. He came into work the next day and was still ranting and raving about it. It's crazy. The the outro on the last episode of the podcast, 142, is very aggressive. I'm I'm serious. Um, (laughs) Can I just ask that pretty... Pretty please, all you wonderful people out there. We so appreciate you. And if you could please take just a moment out of your day to write us a review, it would mean the world to us. Man, I need to go do that now. That had an effect on me. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done it either. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you've got any questions for us, we still had such a wonderful time on episode 140 with all the voicemails, and we've still got a couple more to, to put on these episodes, but our phone uh, message not line is one 669 Talk to anybody who called in. It was painless. You just leave a voicemail, no one will answer. Uh, that is awesome. Or you can write us an email at info at thecomicsplace.com or you could record a voicemail message onto an audio memo on your phone and then email that to us. There's a lot of possibilities, but we uh, we, we had such a blast doing the all Q&A episode. Mm, the, yeah, the questions are one of my fantastic. favorite parts. Uh, bring your questions to episode 150 with you on October 3rd at the Shakedown. We're so excited for that. Am I forgetting anything? Can I just mention briefly, please, uh, Absolute please. Carnage is yeah. going on right now. There's there's two tie-ins this week. Skip Scream. It's, sorry, Bun. It's, uh, <laughs> but read Separation Anxiety. It was actually really good. What was the best okay. part? It was really good? Um, yeah, not, really not, good? not my cup of tea, but a really good horror comic. It's got a really good page where uh, it's spiral paneling, like the Carnage thing, and like it actually leads you to read nice. it in a spiral pattern and it's it's just a good horror story there's a scary dog oh it's, is it an animal with dogs f- filling its tummy it, it's, <laughs> it's a dog with flies coming out of its oh. mouth it's, oh. oh it's good it's good uh um i had a blast getting to talk to you guys come back soon we love everybody listening thank you a lot i am jeff yeah thank you this was great you've all made me 
I've got three or four new comics I want to, extra comics now I want to read this week because <laughs> of you folks. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me. And I, this is always a pleasure. And thanks for listening to us. Thanks for giving us a reason to actually get to sit here and talk about what we love so much. Uh that, that being uh, hot, <laughs> hot blacksmiths. My name is Brian. Hot, hot blacksmiths, <laughs> and I think the best hand job I've ever seen in comics was mm. this weekend in White Trees. So.